The Courage to Lead, episode 99. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest. Uh, please help me welcome Forrest Tuff. Forrest is an award-winning speaker, author, and film producer known by his trademark as The Filmpreneur. Forrest is the owner of One Vision Productions, a multimedia agency listed as one of Atlanta's best and brightest companies to work for. Recognized among Atlanta's 500 most powerful leaders, Forrest is also one of only 89 people in the world to receive the prestigious accredited speaker credential by Toastmasters International. An active volunteer, he received the President's Call to Service Award for completing 4,000 hours of community service. Forrest, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Coach Arlen. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. This is awesome. So uh, I, being a Toastmaster myself, I know what Toastmasters is all about and how difficult that can be. Um, but receiving that level of award, you've got the Distinguished Speaker, right? Or DTM, Distinguished yes. Toastmaster Award right. and Accredited Speaker. That's yes. quite an accomplishment. Good job. Yeah, it was one of those things going into public speaking. I knew I wanted to enhance or give myself somewhat of an edge with other public speakers. So the accreditation really is for professional speakers, but the path to receive that accreditation and then to finally give a presentation at the international conference, you know, you have 20,000 people that are tuning in, 20 to 30,000 people. It's a amazing experience, but daunting at the same time. So to have been able to been the one to receive this accreditation in 2021 was special. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. We want to learn more about that, learn about your background and kind of what you're doing now with uh, One Vision Productions. But before we get started, I've got some questions for you. Um, okay. These are the questions I ask every one of my guests, questions made popular on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from right. Hollywood, right, TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. All so right, if you're ready, it. sir. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Well, I'm a former basketball player. I love this word pivot. They're using it in the corporate structure now. Pivot. Pivot. Good job. What is your least favorite word? Uh, oh, manscape. I don't <laughs> they gave it a name. <laughs> Let's keep it anonymous. Yes, exactly. Um, what turns you on? Competition. Yeah, that, that really gets me going to compete. Nice. Very good. What turns you off? Rude behavior or elitist behavior. Either one of those. Concur. All right. Question five. What sound or noise do you love? Rain. Yeah, it puts me to sleep. I love rain. <laughs> All right. What sound or noise do you hate? A smoke detector with a low battery. That is so annoying. <laughs> It's like, change that battery, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what is your favorite curse word? Hmm. I heard an English guy say this. I thought it was, he said, bugger. I thought that was funny <laughs> when he was dealing with the guy. Thought that was funny. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? 
Oh, I'd be a DJ. Yeah? Yeah, for certain. I love, I DJed in a past life, and I think that would be something fun to do. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Mm, mortician. Mm. Man, that daily, <laughs> that's a daily, I don't know. It worked for them, but I couldn't do that. That's a daily <laughs> bummer for me. <laughs> that's one of those family businesses, I think. I don't think people grow up saying, that's what I want to do. I want to be a mortician. Family business. Yeah. All right. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Open the doors. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be the one that I like. Open the gates. Right? Absolutely. Come on in. Come on All right. In. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about your uh, Toastmasters experience. We're going to talk about filmpreneur and your, your definition of that, One Vision Productions, and uh, some of the other things you have going on. Um, around here at Atlanta, Atlanta. All right. Okay. So we will be back uh, to talk about that. So listeners stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Forrest Huff. Forrest, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. Glad to be here. So how many years were you in, in uh, Toastmasters? Because I know Distinguished Toastmaster is a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. um, how long have you been in Toastmasters? Well, this month actually marks my fifth year. So nice. I've been in Toastmasters for a total of five years now. And I actually achieved the Distinguished Toastmaster in three years. Wow. And the same time I was selected as a finalist for the accredited speaker. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah, that's a huge accomplishment. I don't know if, if people aren't aware of Toastmasters, there's certain paths you can take. There's certain mm -hmm. number of speeches you need to give as well as for the DTM, you have to help what build other, other groups. Yes, you have to help sponsor a club. You know, you have to mentor a district. I mean, an area, you know, oversee several mm -hmm. clubs, help coach a club and give a tons of speeches. So you, you focus on leadership development and speaking to acquire that level. Nice. And, and only 1% of 1% of Toastmasters ever become a DTM. Wow. That's one of those stats. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I joined Toastmasters years ago, stopped for a long time, went back to it. Right. And we had three, four people in our group that hit DTM right about the same time, but they had been in it for like 10, 12 years yeah. going yeah. through. That's huge. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you wanted to be, a, you knew you wanted to be a leader, right? You knew you wanted to get out on the public stage and everything like that. Mm -hmm. and, and you did this then to help overcome fear of public speaking or just become better at public speaking? Yeah, truly to actually hone that craft. I didn't have experience as a public speaker. I've done sales one-on-one, -on -one, but it's different when you're speaking to a crowd mm -hmm. of hundreds or possible thousands in the room or even 10 people in the room. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a big thing. So for me, when I joined, it was because as an entrepreneur, things were starting to progress in my business. And so I was receiving requests to come speak. And I realized that did an event and I said, you know, I need to practice. I need to hone this because it didn't go off well and I didn't have a great feel for the crowd. So that's why I joined Toastmasters to 
you know, hone that craft and just be able to present to different crowds. Yeah. Very cool. And then how did you get started in, in the film business and, and tell me where filmpreneur came in. Actually the film journey started when I was a kid, you know, in high school, I always had a camcorder. I'm always yeah. recording everything <laughs> with my friends and just hanging out parties, just any social event birthdays. And so fast forward years after I graduate, here we are and I'm working and someone asked me, Hey Forrest, how much would you pay me to cover my friend's birthday party? And so that light went off. I think I made a hundred dollars on my first job. <laughs> so from there I said, you know, maybe I could, this could be a thing. And that's how it grew. Now, over time, that storytelling piece, I, you know, I would love to get with friends, watch these old videos. It's like telling a story and I would make these little funny skits and all these type of things. So fast forward, I think about seven years ago, I decided to officially start it, officially start making short films and projects with a storyline that I wrote and mapped out. So that's how that journey began. It really came from just something I love to do that I saw now could be something that I still love to do, but could make revenue from yeah. it. And nice. filmpreneur is that business side of me now understanding that I need to own a brand if I'm going to market. So that way I can actually monetize it and make profit as I move forward using it. Very cool. So in One Vision Productions, that's your company. Yes. Do you do the, I mean, you do the, the writing and the, the video and uh, do you do everything yourself? No, I don't. I do have team members that I use and contractors for different aspects. I'm very heavily involved in the concepts and now the message over time, you're able to liberate a little bit, but for the most part, I'm still hands-on because I love the work. Yeah. You know, I love being a part of that, but I'm actually releasing more as I'm starting to diversify, I would say my portfolio and do different things in the film space and in public speaking, I'm having to outsource different parts and have other people run those operations. So it's been one of those journeys where you grow. And then here we've had to pivot one of those words I like <laughs> yep, yep. due to the pandemic. And so yeah. it's, it's changed the dynamic of how things are getting done. Yeah. Um, and what type of projects do you work on? Well, mainly we work with small businesses, uh, corporations. We work with government agencies and film production studios. So we've done work with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Georgia. We actually worked on several contracts with them, and we actually did a film to the project that turned into a documentary that had national coverage. So I've been able to merge these worlds. You know, you win a bid for you win a, a bid and you work on a project. And now you can say, hey, listen, have they thought about doing it this way? So that was one of the first projects that they had ever done in a documentary form. But we've worked with agencies like the Woodruff Art Center, Coca-Cola, you know, to name a few. So there's nice. been tons of retail and agencies we work with. Nice. And these are um stories to their stockholders or, or what are the, what are these films and things used for? Yeah. So like, for instance, the Woodruff Art Center, we created their strategic plan video. So that worked for the stockholders, shareholders, anyone that had anything to do with that plan happening over a five-year time, yeah. we produced based on that overall plan, we produced the videos for each of those nonprofit agencies that are housed on their property. So for instance, the Woodruff Art Center in houses the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, the High Museum of Art, and, wow. you know, different organizations like that. So we had to create projects 
for each of these entities to create this one master video that outlined everything that was under that tenure of the president at that time. Wow. Very cool. And I saw on your website, you used to play basketball. Yes, I did. You play ball. Tell yeah, me about I actually that. made it to division one. Yeah, I wasn't too bad. Nice. You know, and it's interesting when I started out, you know, I wasn't really a great player. I, I had a little bit of athleticism, but I think the biggest thing for me was I really had a work ethic and I could pick up on things fast. And so that's where I learned to really relish the competition. You know, if a guy, you know, was dusting me up, you know, as a kid and for me to get better and I could really gauge how far I'd come in terms of now the tide has turned and now I'm a better player. I'm able to help my team win. So I played there and then I went to a Gordon State College. I played there for a few years and I was actually inducted into their Hall of Fame. Nice. So that was an interesting thing. And I played Division One at Western Carolina, but due to an injury, that ended my mm. run for a professional basketball career. Wow. That's too bad. Um, did sports help kind of form who you are? You talk about your work ethic and stuff. Yeah. Running your own business, you need a good, solid work ethic and, and planning and, and knowing, you know, kind of where you're headed, what path you're on and stuff. Did that help? College sports help? Yes, it did. I think at one aspect, the way I learned to play basketball, it truly helped me as an individual, that competitive nature as an individual to always try to be the best at what I do, but also it helps me to trust my team because that's the only way that you can grow in certain aspects. You can't do everything. You know, at one point in time, I remember I did voiceovers. Now I have a team of people that do voiceovers because that's just not my wheelhouse, but it's one of those things that you learn over time. You know, you realize you can't do everything and it's great to have people to help you out so that you, you can actually accomplish the goals you're setting out to Absolutely. achieve. Yeah, that teamwork aspect of it is really important. And I, I think uh, kids these days, a lot of them are, are missing that. You know, they aren't as involved in team sports. You don't have a lot of actor, after school, you know, extracurricular activities going right. on and stuff like that. Is right. that going to hurt them, you think, going forward? I think moving forward, it's just a different time. You know, and sports now is such a monetized thing from the time that you start. It's like, oh, this kid is the number one eight-year-old in the country you know it's, <laughs> it's such a long time before you get to high school but now the prospect of being able to come out of high school and support your family or even go to college and now with the NCAA you're able to market and brand yourself as a player and make revenue and players can make money I think those things have changed the dynamic of why many children play sports yeah not just for recreation but Hey, I can take care of my mom and dad. And, you know, a lot of parents are pushing their kids to take care of us. And, you know, so I think yeah. it changes the dynamic of why kids play. Yeah, I think it does. But yeah, we still, I, I played basketball in high school, didn't go on any further than that. But I, I, I agree. It, it helped you learn how to work with the team, how to understand their different personalities. Some people have certain strengths. You always get to them in these right. key situations and stuff. Yeah, that's right. very cool. So how many people do you have working with you? Overall, overall, we would say about 10, but for the most part, normally four to five people, we work with many contractors also. Mm -hmm. And so that's been one of the advantages of what we do. We have a couple of people in-house that we really have the nuts and bolts, the administration aspects, and just sending out the assignments. But we work with a lot of contractors from all different parts of the world. And that's one of the things that's really been great, even with the pandemic, when that came 
yes, it was bad, but there's always a silver lining to every negative thing. Yeah. You find that you have a reach with more people that services, you know, the web now allows us to send projects here, you send it back. So the dynamic has changed, but it's been great. I, I've enjoyed the flexibility that it's created. Very cool. And then when you go into these companies, do you guys write the script and everything for the video? Do you work with the, the client? Do they come in with an idea that they want to do? How does that work? Yes. Well, we have some clients that are writers. Like we have one client we're working with right now. They have an international presence and their, their, their product is being licensed throughout the country. No, internationally. So they write their own scripts because they've been working with this for 15 years. And we actually produce the material and we give them feedback. Now we have had clients where we've had to do everything from top to bottom, branding, writing. We offer that full service if it's necessary. So we just meet the client where they are. Nice. And do you do the DJ music in the background for some of these yeah. videos? Sometimes I'll, you know, put on the headphones and nice. <laughs> I'll mix up some <laughs> tunes for them. Good job. Well, if, uh, since I'm in Atlanta also, if I was walking down the street and bumped into one of your employees right now and asked them, about your leadership style, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? I believe I'm a person that leads by example. You know, I am a hard worker and I really push for excellence. I think the thing that would probably stick with him the most is that he strives to be the best. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And I think they would know by my work ethic and how I pursue each day going into what I do that I want to be the best at it, and I want to do it in a manner that not only makes them feel important, but also for my clients. I also feel the people that work with me, I think they would say, you know, hey, he respects people. You know, I think overall my personality is just pretty even. That's just how I've been my life. And so I think that translates to how I am as a leader. But I believe that that the way I treat people pours over into how they treat our customers. Yeah. You know, you come in and you know, cause it's, they say it trickles down, you know, if your yeah. boss comes in and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you have a tendency to have this dump thing that's on you. You're going to give it to somebody. So I try to try to be fair. You know, I try to be fair and reasonable. And I'll be honest with you. Toastmasters helps leadership, yeah. communication, and truly listening to people. Those are some of the components. So I think that has been a great help for me in my leadership. And as I develop and grow. Absolutely. Yeah. People don't, don't realize in, in Toastmasters listening, because you're critiquing the other speakers in the room. You have to really listen, listen to not only what they're saying, but how they're saying it, body language, all that stuff, and uh, be able to give them feedback. So, yeah. And to me, leadership, being a leader is a communicator, right? If you can't communicate, I don't think you're an effective leader. Yeah, these days and times, it, it is definitely a challenge. You know, there used to be a time where the leader was the boss, you know, and everyone else was a manager. It's like, do what I say, and it trickles down. Now, leadership is scrutinized differently. You're looked at as a, you know, the word servant leader is used a lot. You know, are you just leading to achieve a goal, or are you leading to actually build people? You know, and that's one of the things, as a leader, people want to feel as if they're growing working with you. Yeah. You know, if they don't feel that they're growing under your leadership, then oftentimes you may not be considered a good leader. So, I think as leaders, that's something that we have to continue to do is to continue to grow and learn so that we can be better at our craft and actually adapt to the times now. Yeah, absolutely. And the culture you create as the leader, that culture that you create in the company is important because like you said, 
if you come in putting people down, yelling, screaming, uh, berating your, your customers or even your employees, that's going to trickle down through the rest of the group. And they're going right. to model that behavior. So, yeah. That's right. And, you know, it, it is a challenge because there are times, and I'll have to be honest, there are times when you know things right on your name. You, you've built something up. And there are times when even, you know, sometimes the people with you don't go about it the way you think that you would like them to do it. But you still have to have a certain level of lenience because this is a process and things happen. People happen. And you have to understand, <laughs> I'm not perfect. So I can't expect someone else to be perfect. There has to be some leeway for, hey, this is a learning experience. You know, we can help you grow. As long as it's not done, nothing's done with malicious intent, then it's something that I think that I've grown over time to be able to understand that these things happen. And let me make sure that I gave them the tools and information to correctly do what I asked them to do. Absolutely. And that's some of the types of courage we talk about on the podcast. Um, intellectual courage, the courage to set aside your long-held beliefs and make room for brand new knowledge coming in, right? Always right. continuously learning. Um, the empathetic courage, working with your employees, working with people, you have to empathize. You have to understand what they're going through and how difficult it is for them and be able to lead them through or coach them through whatever it is. The sure. moral courage, social courage, there's all these different types of things. Are, is there a type of courage you think is most important for entrepreneurs? Yeah, that transparency. It mm -hmm. takes courage to be transparent. Yes. It takes courage to show that you don't know all the answers, that you don't have it together. You know, to ask someone that's a junior to you or someone you brought on their advice on something that yeah. used to be seen as weakness mm -hmm. or, you know. But for me, I feel with things happening, especially in this media space, this, this place that we're in, there's so many young things that these kids coming out of college, these young adults coming out of college or their work experience that can be so beneficial to not only the, the, your sustainability as a business that I'll say that it's important to be transparent so that you can understand how things are changing in your marketplace. Yeah, no, that is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, where did you get your courage? Where did you, where did that come from? I mean, anybody else, you know, come out of school, you get a job, you work for 40 years, you know, and then retire and stuff like that. You saw something you loved doing, enjoyed doing, and you saw that you could make money from it. It takes courage then to step out and say, I'm going to put my name on the line and I'm going to do this for myself. Where did that come from? Honestly, I believe I learned it from my parents. Yeah. My parents have been in ministry, or I call it the business of church ministry okay. and <laughs> yep. development, because it is a business. Sure. They've been doing this now for 40 years. Wow. So I've had firsthand knowledge of watching them have a successful ministry ethically while dealing with people, because that's mm -hmm. a very people involved business. Yeah. You know, you're focused on people's faith, their spirituality, but at the same time, you have to help develop them so that they grow and become strong leaders. So I think for me, I had a firsthand seat and didn't know that I was watching it. Nice. So that's had a great impact on how I carry myself and why ethics, morals, and treating people is so important in my business. Absolutely. So you weren't lured over into the ministry at all? Oh, yes. It, it's a daily, it's a daily coup to try yeah. to take over and get me in. Yes. <laughs> my mother's always like, yes, are you ready? And I'm like, no, mom. She says, I see you're public speaking. I'm like, it's different. So yeah, you know, parents, 
in ministry, they love to see their children come into the ministry. I have uh, some of my siblings have actually um, gone into the ministry in the speaking role. For me, I tell them my ministry is my business. You know, ministry yeah. is different. It's how you go out and how people see what you do every day, because oftentimes people learn not only from what you tell them, but by how you carry yourself. Absolutely. Like yeah. to me, that's the biggest ministry ever is if a person has watched me for 10 years and they say, you know what, I can see whatever it is you're telling me about through how you carry yourself, not through just the words and you're treating people disrespectful and just any way you feel. So for me, that's where I learned my leadership from my parents. But I also nice. think if I was to say that what part of the ministry I embody, it's that everyday action of how I treat people. Nice. Very cool. And yeah, we talked that, you know, on a, a scale, a fear scale, mm -hmm. fear of the dark, <laughs> fear of death, and way up at the top is fear of public speaking. Public speaking. How did you it overcome is. that? Did it, was that an easy transition for you? No, it was not. You know, I'm a behind the scenes person. There's a producer, director, even, you know, when I actually worked in the church, it was always behind the lens. You know, my view was from behind the lens and telling that story, you know, in the editing booth. So now to come in front and have people be able to scrutinize you real time, you don't have the, sometimes the ability to edit what you say. It's like right now and never. That was very challenging for me and getting comfortable with speaking with individuals in a public venue and be open to, once again, that transparency, that vulnerability piece always comes to mind of being that and allow people to critique me and say, hey, what you said didn't resonate with us. Yeah, get out of yeah. here. Or, you know, this was great. So yes, it has been a challenge, but it's been a great journey and I've, I've been grateful for it. Awesome. So what's next for you? I mean, you've, you've done so much, you've accomplished so much, you've got your, your production company and everything like that. You're accredited speaker. So you're probably still doing speaking engagements around, right? Yes. Wow. That has been pretty intense. Just this last week, I've had to speak to organizations in Beijing, China, Auckland, wow. New Zealand, you know, a couple of places in the state, Texas, California. And I actually have an engagement coming up in Vietnam. Wow. And I just did one in Ecuador. So it's interesting having to share with so many different, not only businesses, but cultures and having a message that will resonate, that will add value to them in their culture. That is the true challenge and journey that I face now as a speaker. Yeah. But I have to share with you, coach, everything that I do is a story. You know, as a media production company, we're telling stories for other organizations. We're showing them in their best light. As a filmmaker, I'm telling a story that people can sit down and watch and enjoy. And as a speaker, I'm sharing a story or information that can help you to grow. So I think everything that I've done, if when I really bring it down, it's, it's in the light of a story. And did I mention I was a children's author? No, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I, I have two daughters and, you know, at the time that they were younger, I would tell them bedtime stories and they told me, you know, dad, we think you should write a book. <laughs> and so I took that challenge because it was for my girls and I put together a book. It was actually pretty interesting. It's called Things I Like 3D. And it was a book that was a reversible. On one side, you wore 3D glasses and you look at the pictures in 3D. And of course, you know, kids will lose the glasses so you can right. flip it over and you still can look at the book in 2D. Wow. So that was a, a great, um, great journey that I had for my kids. And we actually had the book picked up in the school systems because it was based on 
early education and early childhood learning. That is awesome. So you created stories for your daughters. You just sit there instead of reading to them, you would make up stories for them. Yeah. I'd make up these crazy stories, make up these characters (laughs) and they would love it because sometimes the characters were just, you know, out of the box. They weren't your traditional, you know, Disney characters. And so I think they just love, you know, just that imagination piece. And so I think it really helped with me being a creative person and we had a great time. And so that's where the concept to create a book, you know, came from. Nice. And that book is still available now. Can people yes, buy you that can book? find it on Amazon? Things I like 3D. 3D. Yes. And I actually received a, a nomination for the Georgia Author of the Year Award. Nice. That was pretty great. We did really well with the sales of the book. And I think really getting it in the school systems helped because we were able to get bulk <laughs> purchase orders. That is uh, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so again, what's what's next? What do you have on the uh, on the horizon for you? For me, it's continue working in my business, continue to grow in that corporate space. We're now working to get on a GSA schedule. And so the majority of our work will stay with corporation government agencies. As far as the film, I'm actually working on a feature film. I'm currently writing a feature film right now and shopping a, a movie about a women's basketball team in the 60s that won three state championships. So th- this is a project that I'm working on now. It's an untold story, as we know so many stories sure. have gone untold, but my aunt played for this team, and it was just an amazing story out of Georgia. So in the film space, that's what I'm doing. And public speaking, now I'm continuing to grow my business, and I'm you know, looking at maybe doing a lot more traveling, depending on what happens in 2022. I'll do a lot more traveling, a lot more in-person speaking engagement. So that's nice. truly where everything is. And, you know, now I'm working on a book that's going to be in my adult space okay. on entrepreneurship, something that I can use when I actually go out and do speaking engagements. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So the, uh, your aunt's basketball team, that's a documentary you're doing? Right. That was a documentary. I actually filmed it. I'm, I'm doing the documentary, putting it in film festivals, and I'm actually putting together a pitch deck to have it made into a feature film. Nice. And you say that's a true story that's never been told. It is a true story that has never been told, never been documented. Well, it hasn't been documented. Well, it was documented, but much of the footage, because it was from the 60s, when schools integrated, a lot of it was destroyed and lost. So fortunately, I was able to interview about 15 members of that team that were still here. So I was able to get stories from each of them to help build on the possibility of a, a feature film. That's awesome. Very cool. We'll definitely look forward to that. Um, So do you have any recommendations for new entrepreneurs? If they have a similar, you know, you see a lot of kids running around making videos with their phones and Mm -hmm. stuff. Now they're into that. And the storytelling is a a huge part of it. Um, Do you have any, any um, words of wisdom for them? Recommendations for them? Yeah, I think it's amazing time right now with technology. There's so many things you can do. You can monetize your videos online. You can make money. What I would advise young people making moves like this now is to find organizations that can focus on the structure that will help you sustain your business. Mm-hmm. Not every business goes viral. And even if you go viral, what then? You know, how do you keep your sustainability? So find organizations like SCORE. This is an organization through the Small Business Administration. It's called, you can find it at SCORE.org. I've actually been a mentor for seven years 
and we work with small business owners, creative entrepreneurs, and we work with them for the life of their business. So as long as you want to work with SCORE mentors, that would be great. But it's a great opportunity to receive expertise on how to focus on your finances, your marketing, your branding, and the sustainability of your company. Nice. Yeah, lay those foundations. Yeah, and I think because of the pandemic, so many people are thinking about, well, maybe I don't want to work for another company. Right. You know, because you just never know what's going to go on or how it's going to impact stuff. A lot of people are turning to either creating their own business, you know, or, or finding some other alternative uh, revenue stream. So, yeah, I think that's important. Very cool. And business ownership, by no means, is it a cakewalk. I know many people Ooh, think, oh, when I work for myself, I'm going to have all this free time. Listen, when you work a, a nine to five job, you know that even if you don't hit all your sales goals, you'll get a paycheck. Yeah. Entrepreneurship, you may not. Exactly. So, you have to be good at managing and budgeting that money because there may be times when it's just rolling in and then there's times when it's slow. So mm -hmm. you have to be able to manage that. Absolutely. Yeah. You work for somebody else. You're invited back tomorrow. That's hopefully, right. right? That's yeah. Right. As an entrepreneur, this could be the last shot you got. So That's right. yeah, definitely take, take advantage. All right. Forrest, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on the program. If people want to get in touch with you or follow you and your, your productions, uh, where can they find you? What's your website? Well, you can go to forestuff.com. That's two R's, two T's, two F's. Forestuff.com. And you can find all my social media handles from my website and follow everything I do. Excellent. Yeah. And I'm looking at your website, just all the pictures, all the different TV shows you've been on, radio shows you've been on, podcasts you've been on. You're everywhere. Well, you know, that's, I'm hoping to do that. That's how I'm trying to grow my business. That's the branding and marketing aspect. And that's one of the things as an entrepreneur you have to do. You have to be that arm for your company so that people know what you're doing. You know, you have to create brand name recognition. So thank you for saying that. It is definitely a work of love. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, listeners, go out and check out the website at ForrestTuff.com. Um, Forrest, thanks again. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's and, been uh, my pleasure. Sharing with us, yeah. All right. Listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. Uh, definitely check out the website. Look for the book. Right. Things I like 3D. Yeah, that's that's the one that's Amazon. on Amazon. The book that I'm working on now is Live to Make an Impact. Live to Make an Impact. Yes. Excellent. And when will that be available? Do you know yet? That'll be available in 2022. All right. When that comes out, we'll have you back on the show and talk about it. <laughs> Sounds How's great. That? All right. Listeners, I uh, hope you guys appreciated this uh, episode. If you did, make sure you share it with your family, friends and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. <laughs>